Welcome to a special edition of Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski at growingingrace.org. To celebrate the occasion of our 400th podcast, we've put together three bonus podcasts featuring gig bites from the last 100 podcasts. You know those little highlights that we put up on the webpage each week along with each podcast? Here's Gig Bite Bonus Part 2. A lot of times we think it's too good to be true. It can't really be this good. God can't really think of us like this. We value ourselves based upon our performance. And we think God values us because of the same things in the same way. But he doesn't. God doesn't value us based on our performance. God values us based upon the fact that God is love. You might feel guilty. You might feel condemned. Uh, you might feel like a worm, but there's no condemnation. This is a fact. This is a truth. There is no condemnation. So whatever so-called guilt or condemnation you think you're feeling, it's just that. It's a feeling. It's, it's not the truth. It's in your mind. And, and again, we're going back to you know, having our minds renewed so that you don't fall into that trap of thinking that somehow God is angry with you again, because he's not. We are the pearl of great price that God himself paid the ultimate price to have. And he didn't do it so that we would spend the rest of our lives trying to pay him back. If I give somebody a gift, I give them that gift, not with the expectation that they feel so unworthy of, I, I feel so unworthy of this gift, how can I pay you back? No, I gave you that gift because I wanted you to have it. And that's how God feels with us. He paid the full price, not expecting us to pay it back, but so that we could have the gift. When Jesus said it is finished, the veil of this temple, this very thick curtain, was torn in two from top to bottom, and that's very important because the curtain was quite tall, uh, so it wasn't being ripped by men from the bottom up. And uh, so this, this was torn in two, it was destroyed, and this was what separated us, symbolically at least, between us and God, and it was removed. And now the heaven's gates were now opened wide, there was the problem of sin. There was the problem of God's wrath. You know, I don't think that God's wrath and his love are polar opposites. I think that in his love, he has this passionate anger against sin. And so, but the good news, what we always want to get back to the good news is that he did take care of that. And it was through Christ. And as you say, uh, what God did through Christ <laughs> on the cross was that he reconciled the world to himself, not counting our sins against us, they get this tunnel vision focusing in on, on the have-tos and the what-to-dos and all of the do's that we're supposed to be doing. You know, do this, walk worthy, all of that. I, I know I've used this phrase before, but I'm sorry I'm a Zeppelin fan, okay? You're going in through the outdoor. Uh, you're, you're, you're approaching the whole thing backwards. Paul, he would have said the same things that David said until he got the understanding of the gospel. And Paul, as a Pharisee, in Philippians 3, he said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. According to the law, I was blameless. But then, here's what Paul said once he understood the gospel, what things I thought were gained to me and life to me and righteousness to me and all these things. These I have counted loss for Christ. He says, I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. If we're living with this idea that in order to be righteous or in order to gain righteousness or whatever, we got to do the right things and avoid doing the wrong things, we miss God's righteousness. You know, we miss the gift 
that God has willingly given to us and provided with us by no cheap means, but through the blood of Jesus. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So what the law could not provide, which is life, righteousness, freedom from sin, freedom from having to obey the law. Christ took care of all of that for us, Joel, including the curse of the law that, that brought all of that stuff. If God still related to us on the basis of our performance, of our sins, then wouldn't God have to do something about it? And he would have a choice like he did before. He could either directly do something to us about it, or he would have to do it to his son. But he's not going to bring his son up to the cross over and over again because of our sins. He did it once and for all. As you discover who you are in Christ, guess what it is that you're going to want to do? It's not going to necessarily be to do all the wrong things or to uh, just satisfy your own pleasure. That's unlikely as you discover who God has made you to be. I think one of the biggest deficiencies that we have though in the body of Christ is most people haven't been told who they already are. It's all based on what they're trying to become and that's like being on a treadmill. You're not gonna go anywhere with that. While we've been made free in Christ in our spirit, often our soul doesn't always get that. You know, it doesn't always get that all the time. And so we can live in a sense, we can live as if we're in bondage when we're not really in bondage. And so I just wanted to kind of point out the difference between the soul and the spirit so that we understand that we've already been delivered in the spirit realm. But as far as our souls go, there's this renewing of the mind that always needs to keep on taking place every day. I know that I've been there before so many times just waiting for God to deliver me as if I needed some sort of spiritual deliverance and really all that I needed. And I'm not saying this is true for, of everything in the Christian life, but in so many things, all I really needed was to be transformed through the renewing of my mind to the truth. This thinker, this mind that we've got that's always thinking about things, there's no switch to turn it off. We can't really turn it off, but one thing that we can do is try to direct our thinking into, like we've been talking about the last couple weeks, into the truth, in, into what's true. You can't just do a series on grace. You can't. You can't just do a Bible study on grace. It's not just a subject or a topic from the Bible that you yank out and study for a while and move on to the next topic. You can't separate the gospel from grace. It should be in, in everything we do. It's, it's the air that we breathe. I believe personally that one of the greatest foundational things that has, has caused more confusion and probably uh, more problems in the organized church today is not realizing or understanding the difference between the first and second covenant. They, they get blended together, they get meshed together, they get taught together, uh, and, and it just messes people up. Well, you're just picking and choosing which scriptures you want to follow, because we're supposed to follow the Word of God. Everything that's in there we're supposed to follow, and you're just picking and choosing which ones you want to follow. And so I just I say to people like that, 
if you would read all through Leviticus, read all through Deuteronomy, read all through all of these laws that you say that we're supposed to be under, you are picking and choosing which ones you want to keep. After God made the promise to Abraham, the law came 430 years later, and it cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Bottom line there, Cap, is that our inheritance is by promise. It's not by law. Those were all types and shadows, but Christ himself is the substance. Christ himself. It's not that we look to these types and shadows. It's not that we look to all these things in the Old Covenant and try to apply them to our life in Christ, but we look at them and realize that they have all been fulfilled in Christ, who is the substance. Now our life isn't in all of these Old Covenant things, but rather our life is in the substance, Christ. We don't go around following shadows. Some people will just say, well, I just I believe the whole Bible. If it's in the Bible, then I'm going to live by it. The problem with that is we have two covenants, one that does not apply to you and the other that does. And sometimes the writers of the Old Testament did not have a revelation of the new covenant that we are under today, the new everlasting and better covenant through the finished work of Christ. I think this could be revolutionary for some people, that not everything Jesus said was for you and me. And I know, I don't turn the program off yet. <laughs> I know that's mind-boggling. That doesn't mean there isn't something to learn from it, but Jesus may have, at least on occasion, been talking about the law to people who were still under it in an effort to try and bring them to himself, really. Here's another meaning from the word abolish, Joel. To terminate all intercourse with one. In Romans 7, Paul used the example of how we have died to the law, that we were married to the law, at least the Jewish people who were under the law were in a relationship that was like marriage. But then they died to the law and were married to another, which was Christ. And I just think it's interesting, now that we're the bride of Christ, we terminated all intercourse with the law. The Old Covenant, the purpose of it, was bondage, death, condemnation, and guilt, among other things. In the New Covenant, we've got the very life of Christ in us. We've been made alive. We've been made alive to God. We've been freed from condemnation and guilt and from bondage. We're free in Christ. You can't mix together bondage and freedom. The two don't mix. Under that Old Covenant system, they had money. They exchanged money. They bought things with money, just like we do today. But God never told them to tithe of their money because it wasn't about the Levites getting money. It was about the Levites getting fed. <laughs> we are led to believe that God was promising blessings. I believe what he was promising here was rain because there, I, mm -hmm. I can point out several other scriptures to you where God opens the windows of heaven. He's talking about rain. Closing the windows of heaven would mean a drought. And wouldn't that make more sense here based on what we've already talked about, where uh, the tribes of Israel, 11 of the 12, except for the Levites, inherited these lands to grow the crops, grow the food, and then bring it a tenth of it to the Levites to keep them fed. We, of course, want to encourage people to look at who they are in Christ and to give 
according to the life of Christ that's in them. But one of the points we've been making in this series, Cap, about tithing, where I, you know, I believe that we're freed from tithing and free to give. You know, we want to encourage people that they they are free from giving any certain percent. Be freed from an obligatory standard for giving, and be freed to give as your heart directs you to give. The spirit of giving, it's a part of that new identity we have in Christ. And as we learn more about that, grow in it, abound in it, be established in it, people will give, and not because they have to, but just because it's a part of who they are. And we we in the spirit who are one, uh, and he lives in us, uh, don't you think that he will be able to guide and direct people to, to give in a way that will cause all sufficiency to be had? A lot of people think that the offense of the cross is that we're living these great moral lives and these ungodly people in the world can't stand that and so uh, they're offended and they persecute us. That's not what the offense of the cross was about. It had to do with what Paul said was that he had to die to the law in order to know Christ. That's the offense of the cross. You know, the, the offense of the cross is we no longer trust in our flesh. We no longer trust in any good that we can do. As you look through the eyes of grace, you can begin to see the life of Jesus in an entirely different light than what you may have seen him under a legalistic mindset. He was constantly reaching out with compassion and healing and restoration and love. But take a look at how, how he spoke to the self-righteous religious people who were judging everything that was being done out there, thinking that they were better than everybody else. You know, at one point, Jesus called them a brood of vipers. Now that we have this gift of righteousness, we're no longer a sinner. We're no longer considered to be a sinner in God's eyes, but we've become a new creation, and we've become a partaker. You know, we take part in God's nature, the divine nature. Maybe uh, this is ABC material here, but very few people have heard about it as they've attended church all their life. And that is that you have been declared completely forgiven and righteous and holy. You are without spot or wrinkle or blemish. You have been completely accepted by God and his love for you is without condition. It's not based upon what you do for him or how you react toward him. And, and these are the kinds of things I think that people need to hear more of. Paul talked about his life, you know, before he knew Christ. He talked about how he was this awesomely wonderful, great law keeper. God would have been really, really, really pleased with him and how he had presented his life to God. But then Paul turns around and uh, he says, I had to consider all of that as dung as rubbish it was no good that's not what god wanted and that surprises a lot of people when i came into realization into the realization that i no longer had to confess all of my sins to be forgiven but that i was in fact already forgiven because of that one sacrifice that jesus christ made for all of us once and for all that the final finished work once I began to realize that, it changed everything for me because I no longer was in this place of, of me and what I had failed in. 